Emily, do you know what episode we're on? Episode 25. That's so exciting. I feel like it's such a milestone. I know. We need to do something to celebrate. What do you think we should do? Maybe a giveaway for our listeners. That sounds like a great idea. So here's the deal. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Send us an email of the screenshot showing that you left us a five-star review at floralcouchconversations at gmail.com. And we'll pick a random winner to get a special prize. Hey guys, welcome back to Floral Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Alyssa. And we have a very special guest, as we say every, every week. Yes. Does it make you any less special? No. <laughs> Matt, welcome to the show. This is great. I love seeing uh, how the sausage is made here. You guys are fantastic. We get that a lot. <laughs> How's it going? Life is welcome. good. Thank you. We're happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Day one listener. Finally was invited on. Okay, there was a there was a mishap, a communication mishap. We thought you did not want to be on, but apparently you did, and we're glad to have you. Obviously, yeah, we, we cleared that that up, so now here we are. And we got our weather talk out of the way too. So yeah, we will not record that. So <laughs> you're welcome. Yes. How's everyone been? We've been good. We've missed you. You've been gone. I have. You look like. A pink seahorse. That's exactly. So Emily told me to describe my sunburn on a scale of one to lobster. And my response was pink seahorse. Because I'm like pretty sunburned, but I've definitely had worse sunburn. So where all did your travels take you? So our first stop, well, it was a Caribbean cruise. But our first stop was St. Martin, which to be honest, I knew like nothing about anything going into this cruise. And I'm geographically challenged. So I did not know St. Martin was half or like... 40 percent owned by the netherlands and then the other part was owned by france so we took like a double decker bus tour around the island and yeah it was very fun and then we went to saint thomas and felt like a homecoming for you it did i was like i should get everyone that i've ever went to college with a t-shirt that says something about saint thomas and i was like okay call them yourself Alyssa. but context the college we went to is called saint thomas yes (laughs) And, and Alyssa went to the island. It's an island, right? It is. Uh, yep. Yes. In the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yes. And then the last stop was Nassau in the Bahamas, which I unfortunately came down with an illness, so I did not actually get off the boat. But my mom and sister enjoyed it and got lots of shopping in. So Did you see the tents they were putting up for the fire festival? <laughs> was, that in not, the, was that in? That was in the Bahamas. but was I think it was. I don't think it was Nassau. Okay actually don't know i haven't watched either of the documentaries have you watched the fire documentary no my the bulk of my knowledge about nasa comes from black sales actually the star show about pirates oh huh <laughs> are there lots of pirates in nasa <laughs> at one time apparently maybe oh. i don't know so you tell like me a back in the day type of i did not yeah, run like into- blackbeard yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not run into any pirates my, while the there. The my pirate knowledge is Pirates of the Caribbean, so. Oh, this is much better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. I'd never been on a cruise. It's crazy how much they can fit on a boat. Like, it's like a little city. What was your favorite part of being on the cruise? Other than the illness. <laughs> yeah, because that was clearly at the top. It was just so relaxing. Like, I could just, like, wake up whenever I wanted, go sit by the pool, had an inclusive drink package so I could... I drink a non-alcoholic strawberry daiquiri by the pool and I don't know I could just kind of like 
do what I wanted. Did you ever get the urge to just like jump over the side of the ship? Well, as when I was ill, I was like, "Ugh, get me home. I'm trapped on this boat. I have no way to go home. I just want to sleep in my own bed. But um, other than that, no, I threatened to push my sister off, I think. But just kidding. No, you actually did threaten. I don't think you're kidding. I did, but it was like mostly sarcasm. Oh, okay. So. Did you? No, she's still with us. I did, however, share my illness with her, so she hates me right oh, now. Oh, gosh. So, Yikes. But that's what happens when you're in like a 10 by 10 room. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Days. A cruise ship, it's like a floating kindergarten. It Basically, yeah. I was like, oh, so one of these other darn passengers, which by the way, I was on the biggest ship in the world. So it held like 6,500 people, which is insane. That sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> being trapped on a ship not interested no i i think if i went again i would do like a three-day one where you get to spend a couple days at the port and like hang out and like experience the culture i could do that i don't know that eight days on a cruise ship is my style in the future but learning experience indeed what did you do this week and a half while i was not around absolutely nothing oh okay good that's, that's what true. i was hoping i was with you i'm just kidding <laughs> we actually had a really exciting weekend we saw the band king's view on friday night at our favorite brewery inbound they it's been a while since we've heard them play and they're back yeah, in action a few months yeah and we heard that they have some other gigs coming up in the future so we're excited and then i'm gonna let matt take this one because we went to the potted potter or I think it's just Potted Potter, not the Potted Potter. Last night, and I wasn't originally supposed to go. It's kind of a last minute addition because someone did not come down for it. But it was fun. It was good. What did you think? I loved it. Yeah, yeah I thought it was fantastic. Can you explain what it is? Oh, yeah, probably. It, it's it's like a two-man summary of the Harry Potter series. Is it like comedic? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they threw in a couple of nice Trump jokes, which I appreciated. <laughs> but they were, yeah, there were some good Trump jokes. Interesting. Yeah. But they basically, it's 70 minutes and they recap the entire Harry Potter series. And so it's like 10 minutes per book. And they had like these little props and pretty good. Spectacular dragon. Really spectacular dragon. You spend all the money on the dragon, not on the cast. Interesting. So I've read all the Harry Potter books, but only once through. And it was kind of just like a thing I was into for a while and then grew out of it. But I do respect the hardcore Harry Potter fans. Or grew out of it. Maybe not grew out of it, but like my interest kind of faded and I just went on with my life. I don't listen to podcasts about it to this day. There are podcasts about Harry <laughs> yeah, Potter. Yeah, who does that? I'm not sure. I have never read any of the books and I've only seen like one movie. So I'm like in the minority, I think, of the group of people that don't like or have never watched harry potter there there are a finite number of books in the world and when you're reading one per week i'm surprised that you didn't just run out of books and stumble (laughs) upon harry potter i think i could probably read one per week for the rest of my life and still not get to harry potter (laughs) but should you Eh, we'll see (laughs) isn't it like watching friends like you you sort of need to have a base knowledge of harry potter to function in in today's society from I feel a like pop I ha- culture standpoint. Although, I was going to say, I feel like I have the... Did we tell this story when Lauren was on? 
I thought I had like a base knowledge until there was this person that we went to college with and like we became Facebook friends. So I naturally like looked at his profile and I was like, who's that guy that is in his profile picture? He looks so familiar. And it was an actor from Harry Potter that he had met in real life. And I thought he was some kid that went to school. And Lauren was like, no, that's so and so. And I was like, uh, okay, maybe I do need to know a little bit more so I don't sound this dumb. Daniel Radcliffe. It wasn't Daniel Radcliffe. It was a ginger Oh, I don't remember the names of the actors. The guy you guys call yourselves fans. The guy who was in um, I've seen about almost time. all the movies, or maybe he plays one of the Weasleys in Harry Potter. Well, I mean, yeah, he's red-haired. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Anyway, so we have our friend Matt here on the podcast, yes. and we're gonna ask him some questions about his life because we're interested to know. I feel like first, should we talk about how we know you? Yeah. How we became friends? Sure. Why we're sitting on this floral couch? Yes, on the floral couch. Yep. Literally, as we speak. I was thinking, actually, my first impression of you when I was looking for notes. And it was, so Emily's husband, Scott, and I went to grad school together. And I remember in grad school, we were so excited because we got our first invite to his cabin for the summer. And we went up, and it was only Zach and I that were able to go. So we went up, and we met all of Matt's high school friends. And Matt was one of them. And my first impression was, oh my gosh, this guy, this is the guy that the first night there drank an entire bottle of apple pie and somersaulted off of the front steps. And then I find out he's a doctor. And I was like, who lets him operate? Slash, not all doctors operate, but I was like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this based on my first impression. And that was my first impression of you. <laughs> I don't recall that. I wonder why. <laughs> a whole bottle of apple pie. Actually, history. do I recall very well. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good night. And then as we were driving back, Zach goes, hey, Scow's friend, Matt, he's pretty scrumptious, huh? And we lolled because at one point when we were on vacation in Mexico, I may have described a man as scrumptious, meaning he was attractive. And so ever since then... Your nickname has been scrumptious. I remember um, the night that I learned that because Alyssa accidentally let it slip and she was just mortified. Her face turns much, it was closer to the boiled lobster than the pink seahorse. We well, kept it quiet because we didn't want it to go to your head, but we called you, we referred to you as scrumptious Matt for a long time. Yeah. Well, and the reason I said it to your face, I do. was like, does he know? And Dealey, our friend Danny convinced me. He's, she goes, yeah, he knows. Just try it. And so I did. And I was like, oh, nope. He definitely does not know. This is I the first time know. he's hearing uh-uh. it. Yep. This is awkward. And now I feel the need to justify that. Zach actually was the one that thought you were scrumptious, but... I love you too, Zach. I'll tell my first impression of meeting Matt. It was before I kind of came into the friend group. I was like a side friend of Alyssa's. And she invited me out to to see Kingsview. It was the first time I ever saw Kingsview. We were at this bar and Alyssa's like, come with me. Like a lot of my friends are going to see this band and our friend's roommate is in the band and it's going to be fun. And I was having like a bad weekend and so Alyssa was like you're gonna come this will cheer you up it'll be fun and so we walk in and Alyssa brings me to this table with like five guys at it I was like who are these people it sounds about right and so we sit down and of course I was having a bad weekend so I like immediately started drinking Long Island iced teas which was a bad decision because they (laughs) they brought me to them in giant glasses and then 
all of a sudden this guy gets up and it was Matt and like pulls Alyssa onto the dance floor and they start like dancing like pretty it was pretty good dancing to together to the band Kingsview that we're watching and I was like okay this guy's a good dancer and (laughs) that's all I know about him that's my first impression story do you remember your first impression of us no really no (laughs) okay that's fair (laughs) I think the first real like solid memory I have of Emily was the night where she and Scow were like Across obviously destined to be together yep. at Morrissey's. I don't, it wasn't that same night, I don't think, but no, it was it also wasn't. a night at the same bar though mm-hmm. with Kingsview, yeah. the same band. Yeah, it so. was the same, yeah. yeah, same, very similar context, but so many good nights to choose from there. <laughs> we spent a lot of time at Morrissey's and a lot of time at Kingsview. Yes, so. indeed. Okay, so we mentioned, Matt, that you are a doctor. So when did you first decide you want to be a doctor? <laughs> I think the first time that I that I thought about it was in high school at some point. We were, this is back when you went to the computer lab and we were doing career research or something like that. And we had to take one of those tests that tells you, oh, you know, you might enjoy a career in this, you might enjoy a career in that. And I think medicine was one of the things that came up. So I was flipping through and actually came across anesthesiology and I saw the salary and I was like, oh, this sounds great. (laughs) I think I'm going to do that. And then over time came to decide, you know, anesthesiology is not going to be the the part of medicine for me, but um, that there are a lot of other aspects of medicine that um, were really interesting to me um, and were something that I could see myself pursuing as a career. So you basically just became a doctor to make money? Yeah, the prestige and the honor, <laughs> the ladies. I mean, I feel like a lot of people do it for that reason. Yeah. I, I think that medicine, at least initially for me, it was the idea that it's a a field where perhaps more than any other field, you're really blending science and people. There are very, yeah, very few fields where where you work so closely with people over time. And and as I've gotten further into medicine, that's something that I've really come to realize. Certainly, the the science aspect of it is still really big for me. I I really like thinking about problems and and trying to problem solve creatively. But getting to know people and and to figure out you know, where they come from and, and where they want to go and how I as a doctor can help them accomplish those things is really unique and really fun, um, as a, especially as a family doctor, where just by very nature, it's, it's a longitudinal relationship. You get invited into people's lives at some of the very best times and some of the, the very toughest times, um, some of the most difficult moments of people's lives. And that's an incredibly rare and unique privilege. And to, to be able to build relationships with people that, that they feel comfortable allowing you into those moments is really something special. Whether it's the birth of a new baby, which is the most fun thing, especially for first-time parents, um, really the most fun thing that I've ever done in medicine. Or whether it's a care conference where you end up deciding to pursue palliative or or comfort care measures for a patient where you know that they're going to die and it's going to be soon. Those are are rewarding moments as well, but in a very, very different way. Um, And again, just a a really unique um, opportunity and and one I don't think you can get really anywhere else or in any other field. Yeah, that's that's an interesting answer because I feel like you like the bedside manner piece of it as much. And I feel like I've spent a lot of times in hospitals with my mom because she has like all of the illnesses and like how the doctor like gives you news and such as makes such an impact on how I remember that versus like 
if they're just like yeah whatever I see this all the time but it's like still like a serious thing to hear like I feel like that can make such a big difference from like a patient perspective yeah and it's there are a lot of things that you do in medicine where you hardly need to see the patient um, you have lab results or you just you know from asking a couple of questions you know what's going on and you know how to fix it but taking those extra few minutes in the room with the patient and just spending a little bit of time getting to know them a little bit better where you really end up making the difference did you ever want to be something else or was it always kind of medicine oh yeah i mean like a cowboy and a firefighter <laughs> <laughs> professional athlete but could still be a cowboy <laughs> that's true I, I guess i could also be a firefighter too but the professional athlete thing is probably probably still yeah you yeah. might need to a professional badminton or something i doubt it have you seen those guys i was like yeah, you're probably yeah. insulting a lot of badminton yeah, yeah, players yeah. out there like, <laughs> don't send us hate mail i mean there were there were stretches where i considered maybe other aspects of medicine i started out my college career as a biomedical engineering major because i thought that that was also one of those things that, you know, correlated highly with my interests. And I figured I could do that and then go into medicine and maybe um, do like medical device research or something like that. And I got to my literally my first seminar for biomedical engineering. And the professor was like, oh, it's mostly computer modeling and math problems. And I was like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> medicine doesn't work out for me. I don't want to do computer modeling and math problems. I want to work with people like, you know, maybe physical therapy or something like that. And mm -hmm. There are a lot easier ways to get into PT school and medical school for that matter um, than to be an engineer in undergrad. So yeah. I changed that in a hurry. Are there other people in your family in the medical field? Not immediate. I guess my mom is a nurse. Um, so okay. yes, in that, so you have that, from that standpoint. background a little bit. Yeah, she didn't work most of the time when I was growing up. Probably not until I was in junior high or something as far as like my living memory is concerned. Yeah, so I mean, she's there. She counts. Um, then I'd probably go... I love you, mom. <laughs> you really count. I have like my dad's cousin is a doctor. I don't even remember his name. I have a second cousin, a couple second cousins actually who are doctors. One I know a little bit better. She's in Pete's palliative care down at Mayo. But the short answer is no, not really. It's pretty much me. All my family are teachers. Like you. Yeah, Emily. What was the hardest part about medical school? Did you ever get into a class that was just super hard and you were like, I, I don't know if I can do this? Yeah, so I guess maybe the easiest way to do this is to kind of describe how medical school is broken up for people who don't know. Um, your first years are, are almost exclusively classroom um, with a little bit of clinical work mixed in, and then your second two years are pretty much entirely clinical work. So those first two years just as a whole were very difficult, and I think part of the problem is that it's much more theoretical and basic science and things like that, and it's a little bit less clinically relevant material. It's important stuff. You need to know it. You need to have that kind of base knowledge to understand what you're doing in the clinical world. But um, it's much more dry, and so that was difficult. It was very tough to adjust to medical school. Um, my senior year of college, I was doing an internship in a hospital lab. So I did a lot of time just, like, working. Um, and we would do a couple hours of class in the afternoon. And going from that to sitting in lecture again for, you know, six, eight, however many hours a day um, was really difficult. And in college, I took all my notes by hand and I tried to do that in med school and it lasted for like 10 minutes. I was like, okay, there's no way I can keep up here. I got to figure out something new. And I failed my first test on a technicality and I'm still fried about it, but <laughs> I like almost aced the retake and um, didn't fail any other tests after that. So it's fine that I'm working as a doctor. Is it as cutthroat as they make it look on TV? 
Um, that's, I think, very variable from school to school and even within Minnesota. So I did my first years up in Duluth, um, which is sort of an offshoot of the Minneapolis campus. Duluth is focused more on rural primary care um, and Native American health as opposed to the Twin Cities, which is just a medical school. Duluth has that specific mission. And I think our school was much more cooperative in nature than a lot of medical schools out there. Even hearing stories from um, classmates who were at the Twin Cities for the first two years um, is a very different environment down there, a lot more cutthroat. Hmm. Um, I think still on the on the spectrum of you know cooperative and cutthroat, I would say that the Twin Cities were still probably pretty cooperative compared to some of the other medical schools out there, but very variable. A lot of it has to do with the way that classes are graded actually oh really because curves and such yeah pass fail versus yeah a through f for the way that they curve things exactly yep and Duluth was a pass fail honors course but for some of us it was just pass fail I don't know what that means oh it was pass fail for me (laughs) honors are better than passes gotcha yep (laughs) so you passed and yes, that's all but you didn't get like a gold star classes. on your passing, right? Okay, yeah, no gold stars for me. <laughs> we give you a gold star. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, so where are you at in the process now? You're a doctor officially. Yep. Um, so I graduated med school in 2017 to 2019 now. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, 2017. So I'm in my second year of residency, um, second out of three years. I'm just a little over halfway done. So you're no longer an intern? Correct. No longer an intern. That's a it's a little bit of an outdated term, but it's still oh, really? it's still very broadly used just as like your first year of of residency. Yeah. I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy, so there's always a new intern class. So basically all the medical knowledge I have will come from T V shows, as you'll see throughout this podcast. <laughs> it's a good foundation. I think so. It's probably all pretty accurate, if I had to guess. Yeah, for the most part, medical medical shows are, are pretty on point. <laughs> so how many years do you have to be a resident then? I don't have a lot of knowledge on this, so... Um, as many as it takes before you're going to get out into practice and not hurt somebody. Okay. So does someone have to be like, sign off? Um, yeah, so we're, we're pretty closely supervised in residency, um, for family medicine in particular, or specifically it's three years. It varies depending on the specialty, um, pediatrics, internal medicine. These are three year programs on the farther end of things. You have neurosurgery, which is a seven year. So it's your third year now after this year, do you, it's your second year. It's my second year. So you have one more year probably as a resident. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That was a joke earlier about the public safety thing. <laughs> That neither of us picked up on. Sorry. We're in, we're getting it's there. Sunday. It's hard for you guys. Think how tough it's going to be for the people at home who can't even see my facial expressions. You need like a <laughs> cue card that says laugh now. So what's what's the next step after residency? What do you think you're going to do? Practice. So it, yes. it can it can vary. And I mean, that's not an entirely um, sarcastic answer because you can do fellowships and things like that. Um, the program I met, we have an option to do a fourth year of mastery, which is sort of a build your own fellowship. And people do that in, in really anything. Fourth year fellowship, build your own mastery. Um, or you can do fellowship, fellowship. Um, and out of family medicine, there there's not a lot of people who specialize out of it or who, who further specialize. Um, but the, the ones that people typically would do um, would be an OB fellowship, geriatrics, taking care of old people, or sports medicine. But I'm not interested in, in doing a fellowship or a fourth year. Yeah, you're 
you're ready to get out there in the real yeah. world. Yeah, I'm ready to be done. So what would your like dream job be then? So I want to do full scope family medicine, which essentially means that I will practice in um, a variety of environments. Um, I'll do OB care, like doing deliveries, doing work in the hospital, doing work in the clinic, plus or minus like some emergency department as well. So what is your daily schedule right, like now? Are you pretty busy? Yeah, um, it depends on, on the rotation. Right now I'm on a gyne rotation and it's like clinic hours. Um, so it's been pretty comfortable for me. But depending on the rotation, um, it's it's really variable. When I'm on a hospital service, um, you know, I'll start the day at 7 and finish at 8 o'clock or later, depending on how busy we are. And then weekends are variable with that too. But the one that I'm on right now, it's been almost entirely clinic. Um, I've had just a couple weekend call shifts, but for the most part, it's been, you know, eight o'clock to five o'clock. Are there limits on hours that you can work? Technically. Yep. Um, Why do you say technically? Because you can always lie. It's self-reported. Oh. Um, now, I've, I've never lied on mine and I've broken duty hours a couple of times. Technically, it's 80 hours per week averaged over, I think, a four week period. So you could theoretically do 90 hours one week and 70 the next but don't quote me on that i'm not sure that okay. that's entirely true but it's roughly an 80 hour work week limit so this question came up because i was catching up on gray's anatomy yesterday and they were like celebrating because and spoiler alert for the people that aren't caught up but they were celebrating because meredith performed a 27 hour surgery and i was like there's so much wrong with that like i feel like you'd fall asleep and just like butcher someone like is there a max on how much you can work at a certain time. So Meredith is no longer a resident at that point in time, correct? She's an attending. Yeah. Um, so there aren't there aren't work hour restrictions for attendings. Really? Or for medical students, for that matter, as one of my attendings mentioned to me one day before we went into a surgery. <laughs> well, you and I don't have work hour restrictions, so we're going to get this done. If she has to leave early, then she'll leave. Huh. So only residents have work hour restrictions. Yep. That's interesting. Why do you think that is? I guess from the standpoint of, of patient safety they're the people who are are a little bit more involved um day to day um and medical students don't have the responsibility and you don't actually put in any orders or do it i mean you're essentially not needed med students can play an important role on the team and and um, really help move things along but at the end of the day you're not doing they're not core staff yeah mm -hmm. yep um and attendings i guess they assume that you can take care of yourself i guess yeah hmm. do you watch Grey's anatomy um i've seen like two episodes okay I i've never watched it so. after next week the longest running medical drama on tv what a top is er er, ER but yeah one of the actors like posted an instagram video like er what like getting cocky over there what if they get canceled it's Shonda Rhimes there's no chance <laughs> so I have just some general questions for you because of all my tv watching first of all what are your thoughts on the show The Resident um so The Resident is maybe the worst medical show I've seen um and at the same time I really loved it uh it is so bad that it's unintentionally comedic and when I've watched it I've, I watched it uh, when I was working nights last year at that time there was only like four or five episodes and the resident I was working with um, and I sat down and like watched all of them over the span of a couple nights and at one point we were laughing so hard that we got a noise complaint 
Yep. Somebody was sleeping in the room next door and she came over and knocked on the door and she was like, you guys keep it down. We're trying to sleep over here. So you're laughing at just how ridiculous it is, like how it's not realistic? Correct. Okay. I was like, I've never thought it was funny. Can you, do you have yeah, specific hilarious. examples? Um, yeah. There's one that um, that really comes to mind. Um, I think he's at his, the resident, is at his friend's science class. Is that? Conrad Hawkins. Is that AKA name? Logan from Gilmore Girls. Okay. So he's at his friend's <laughs> science class or something and his friend collapses. And he builds a stethoscope out of like a plastic funnel and some plastic tubing and listens to the guy's heart. And he's like, well, he's got a friction rub, which is ludicrous for a couple of reasons. One, you can't really hear friction rubs. They're kind of a myth. <laughs> um, I've only heard them a couple of times in my life. So they exist. They're real, but they're pretty rare to to hear. And then to be able to hear one, unless it was just super, super loud to hear one with a plastic funnel. Um, is probably a little bit less than accurate. And then I think later in that show too, this guy, I don't know, collapses again or something and he um, does a pericardiocentesis. He pulls fluid out from around the guy's heart, uh, just like in the middle of the floor in the hallway. Naturally. Yeah. He's a hero. Right. <laughs> yep. A hero. <laughs> Maybe not accurate. It's not the best. Well, at least it provides dramatic entertainment yeah. for people like Alyssa and then humor entertainment for doctors. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And no entertainment for me because I do not like any shows like that. Another big theme of The Resident is basically they're using these bad medical devices because from this shady company. Do you actually get a say in medical devices or like do the attendings get a say in the medical devices? Like I didn't realize... I guess that they could be so shady and maybe they can't. Maybe that's just TV. Um, as far as like from the standpoint of what tools are used in the operating room and things like right. that. You mean? Oh, yeah. Um, yes. The the doctors, the surgeons, whoever do have a say in um, what sort of devices they use in the operating rooms, on the floors, wherever the case may be. And that's why you have like medical reps come in, um, people from these companies, they're sales people for medical devices and they'll come in when a surgeon's trying out a new camera or something and teach them how to use it and make sure that they know um, what's exactly going on during the procedure, um, how to troubleshoot it, things like that. Interesting. It's relatively limited, I, I would say, outside of like surgical specialties, but... Um, the show makes it seem like doctors can just be shady and get kickbacks from medical device. Yeah, that's pretty hard to do now, once upon a time, um, but they've had a lot of reform in actually the relatively recent past um, that makes it pretty tricky to do that. Okay, that's comforting. <laughs> what actually happens in an on-call room? <laughs> because all the TV shows would lead you to believe that uh, everyone gets it on in there. Um, I've, I've not heard of that. Um, I'm not saying that it hasn't happened. It probably has, but I've not heard of it. It'd be pretty ballsy um, for a number of reasons. You mostly just sleep. Okay. <laughs> Some of them have computers in there so you can get a little bit of work done. That's way less exciting. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're not exciting. There's kind of a joke, I feel like, on all of the medical shows I watch that like the intern is always doing like an ER rotation and they get the patient that like sticks a random object up themselves. Does that happen a lot? <laughs> and what is the weirdest story you've heard? Um, it, it I, I don't know if I would say a lot, um, but okay. it definitely happens. Um, the best one that I've heard was PETA, plug your ears. 
um, was a hamster. Oh, oh my gosh. A live hamster. That's worse than I thought you could answer. Oh, I can't even. How? These facial expressions right now for the listeners at home are really priceless. <laughs> of all the ways I thought you were going to answer that, that is not. I will never unhear that. Nope. I regret asking that question. You have the classics like um, like light bulbs and stuff like that too. But. Uh. In fact, I just watched an episode of Scrubs where they talk about the butt box. The The interns all thought it was a lost and found box in the ED and so they were like, taking pens out of it and stuff and it was actually the butt box oh my gosh <laughs> why would they have a box where they just collect those things you'd think they would like get a good laugh out of get it get rid of <laughs> gosh okay do you have like a worse kind of patient said another way would you rather be a patient be way too informed on google or know nothing um my mom at my for my med school graduation bought me a mug that says please do not confuse your google search with my medical degree um <laughs> which I love, <laughs> um, just like my mom. <laughs> I'm still trying to uh, make up for that credit for earlier. Yeah. I real realistically, I prefer the patient who is informed about things and who's been reading. It's, it's not that difficult to say like, no, despite what WebMD tells you, you don't have cancer. Um, but it, I do appreciate that they're taking some ownership over their health and they're like trying to read some things before they come in. Okay. As long as they're reasonable when mm-hmm. I tell them that, you know, no, that's not correct. Yeah. So what advice would you give to a young student trying to either get into medical school or one who's struggling in medical school or just in general? I think for somebody who is who is working towards medical school, is still in college or high school, um, what I would tell them is to try to get as much exposure before the application process as you can. Um, because it's something that you can't, you can't do it unless it's what you're supposed to do. Um, it's so difficult. The hours are so long. Um, it is very draining physically, mentally, emotionally, all in turn. Um, and sometimes at the same time. Um, so if it's not what you're really supposed to do, um, what you need to do, then it's, there are way easier and, and better jobs out there, um, than medicine. And for the people in medical school, it becomes more of like a, it, it gets better kind of thing. Um, really, second year is better than first, third is better than second, so on and so forth until you graduate. So hang in there. Hang yes. in there, yep. <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> okay, so now we have some fun questions. This episode, we talked a lot about books, and so we want to know what good books have you read lately. Let's see. I just relatively recently finished up one about the history of the CIA, um, which took me about a year to get through. Um, Dang. It was interesting. It wasn't that enjoyable. <laughs> um, I don't know that I'd recommend it. Let's but you hear. persevered. I persevered. Yep. I, it took me so long. It, it's easy to split it up, right? Because you can. the book is kind of sectioned off by president. Um, so it provides really natural stopping points. And I would stop and then go read a different book for a while and then come back to it. Um, so it took me a long time. But there were other books in between, too. From a more enjoyable standpoint i guess i've been trying to go through a lot of the classics i didn't take a lit class in high school or college so i didn't read like moby dick and a tale of two cities and you know whatever those those books are of mice and men um which is one of the ones that i have read on my journey through the classics livingston siegel have you heard of that book i've heard of it it's a classic it's a good one it's a short read oh it's in my list okay so i've been going through the classics and i've read some 
very good ones there. Um, I'm a fan of Hemingway. I've decided because he writes the way that I would write. Um, you know, not a lot of adjectives and some pretty simple adjectives. Um, it's just very like straightforward. Here's what's happening. One that I did not like that I finished relatively recently was On the Road by Jack Kerouac. I just, I don't know. Inter- if it, I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. opinion. Yeah, I've not read it, but. Yeah, I don't. I just, I didn't get the point. And maybe, maybe I wasn't high enough when I read it or something, but. It What's just, it supposed to be about? Uh, it's about these guys who just like travel around the country in a car and say things like you dig and listen to jazz music okay. and uh, yeah it, it wasn't my style i wasn't a fan read a good one about it's called saint mud uh, it's about a newspaper man in in saint paul um set in like the gangster era like the dillingers and he kind of helps to take down the gang essentially um that was really good we just finished uh Alyssa and i are reading a book for a book club i just finished it last week it's called little fires everywhere yeah i finished it too it's pretty good. I really liked it because it was something different than I normally would read. I'm trying to break away from like my normal. Oh, yeah. Moving on from books. Do you have any top songs that have been your favorite in the last couple of weeks? So lately I've been listening to some newish music from some of my favorite artists. Um, and I have a my new favorite slower paced song. Um, slow I'm not, jam. I'm not going to call it a slow jam. No, um, because that brings to mind something different. And we don't want to get into that. Um, at least per Alyssa's frame of reference. Um, so the slower paced song um, that I've been listening to lately is by Vintage Trouble. It's called My Whole World Stopped Without You. It's just, it's a very beautiful song. I suggest everybody Ooh, go listen to it. I will listen to it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Um, they put on a, a great, great concert too, these guys do. Maybe one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Where'd they play at? So I've actually seen them twice in the Twin Cities here. The first time was at Mill City Nights, RIP. Um, My faves. And the second time and the more recent time that I saw them was over at the Palace in St. Paul um, with Trombone Shorty. Oh, that's how I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. They're great. Very, very high energy. Kind of a little bit of a retro feel to them. The lead singer's got a little James Brown thing going Ooh. on. Ooh. Okay. I so, Sounds good mm-hmm. to me. And then I've also been listening to some new music by St. Paul and the Broken Bones as well. And I'm excited about that because they're coming to St. Paul again in March. So I'm looking forward to that show. Do they play at First Ave? They did play at First Ave. I think uh, you were downtown that night when I was at the concert. I was leaving work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was back in my public accounting days. (laughs) Leaving work at like 9 p.m. Yeah. Yep. I... uh, I moved up the test date of one of my board exams, um, so I only had a couple days to study, but I wanted to be able to go to that concert, <laughs> so I just moved it up. Makes so, I still passed. <laughs> also, do you have any top songs you've been listening to lately? I'm still on a Haley Steinfeld kick. I don't know why. She just like is my favorite to sing along to. And then also... I don't, I'm not familiar with her. Can you sing one of her songs? I cannot. I can just picture you like waking up in the morning and just like jamming Seriously out. though. Slowly. Slow jam. <laughs> no, it's like a female anthem. It's, yeah. She's a, she was um in the newest Pitch Perfect movie. I don't know, but she's great. And then I know I talk about the challenge a lot, but I recently got our friend Yanyan obsessed with it. And she's like, the music is so good. I had never thought of it. And they have a Spotify playlist. So 
and it is the best like pump you up music ever so the challenge final reckoning the playlist on spotify check it out because you don't have to like the challenge or reality tv to love it so (laughs) what about you emily so i was talking about earlier how we just got a google home and sometimes it's fun to be like hey google play some good music and so i did that the other day and so spotify started recommending this playlist for me called just good music and it actually is really good music so there's a song called you say by lauren daigle that i really like it's kind of a more slow jam um (laughs) and then i went to a wedding a couple weeks ago and this song that they danced to was for their first dance was love someone by lucas graham and he's the guy who's things like the once i was seven years old and i really don't like that song but but this Love Someone song is really good. Oh. It was a really good first dance song. Uh, can I also just say I appreciate the music segment that you guys do because it did introduce me to Cam. Um, and Diane in particular is a fantastic Great song. song. Great Cam. song. Great Burning song. House I like is yeah. on repeat. Every yeah. day I listen to it multiple times. Burning House is the one where it's like very Stevie Nicks-esque, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great one too. Stevie Nicks. She's the light of my life. <laughs> Have you been listening to Young, the new Parachute song? Yes, I really like the new Parachute song. It's kind of, to me... Sad. If No, it's uh, it's a little nostalgic. It's nostalgic, yeah. which is like kind of the theme of our generation right now. I feel like nostalgia's in. It's so. called Young, and the music video is basically about like a lady who works in a boring office and is kind of being nostalgic about the fun she had in her childhood and how now her life is boring yeah like was she her best self when she was young yeah Yeah. the music video was actually pretty good it was it was good i think this song is kind of a mix of their last album and then overnight their second to last album yeah which overnight i liked more. i'm really excited to see what their new album is like agreed i want to know when it's going to come out we're waiting so Alyssa was just on a cruise she was traveling all over do you, guys, do you guys have any more travel plans coming up? Either of you, Matt, Alyssa? I'm going to, for work in March, going to Louisville, which I'm excited about because I get to do the Bats and Bourbon tour, which I didn't get to do last time. So like visit the Louisville Slugger Museum and such, which I'm excited about. What uh, distilleries do you get to go to? I have a list. I don't remember what they're called. Are you going to wear a, a hat? Or a bourbon bottle? No, I, I, last time I was in Louisville, I did visit Churchill Downs and I did see all the fancy hats, but I'm not quite the hat person. Can't pull off hats. Me either. <laughs> I've actually been told I can pull off hats. By whom? <laughs> By my grandma. So <laughs> I feel like I've told you that before. Actually, my mom's told me that too, but I usually wear just like winter hats, <laughs> not like baseball caps. But you can rock a beanie. It's winterish, but I feel like if you wanted to be that person that rocks a beanie at a party you could be that person what about if you wanted to like go to a jazz festival do you wear one of those hats like a fedora yeah i always say never trust a man in a fedora smart (laughs) that's like one of the mottos i live by or a man with two first names sure that too so i probably wouldn't wear a fedora personally but maybe like a beret or a raspberry one nice (laughs) hashtag minnesota do you have any upcoming trips? Yeah, I've got one that's um, sort of in its infancy right now. I'm looking at going to probably Cuba with Tyler and Mark, two of my good friends, in May. Are you going to drive some brightly colored cars? Possibly. 
we're looking at doing some deep sea fishing, um, going to a tobacco plantation, um, maybe a rum distillery. That sounds very fun. Salsa dancing with the locals. Have you ever been deep sea fishing? No. I've been scuba diving. That's as close as I've gotten to the deep sea. (laughs) Just reach out and grab a fish. That would be deep sea fishing. Sure. No. (laughs) I went deep sea fishing once and I caught a really ugly orange orange fish that looked like it had cataracts. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The kind that if it was in the fish case at the supermarket, you'd be like, no, give me a different one. That one looks old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Cuba sounds fun. I was just... um. I was in Miami and I got my nails done and the person doing my nails was from Cuba and was talking about how beautiful it is. And so I was like, oh, I should check it out. The closest I've been to Cuba is 90 miles because I was in the Florida. I was going to say, isn't that just Florida? Yeah, yeah. I was in Key, Key West <laughs> and they have a little thing on the pier that says 90 miles from Cuba and you can like see it off in the distance, oh. except for you can't because it's 90 miles away still. Right, yeah. That's where I saw manatees. Changed my life forever. So here's the first time. I've only seen them once, yeah. Technically, it'd be the first in, time. In the per- in person, yeah. Did you get to go swimming with them? No, but I did touch them and pet them. Next time I see them, I will go swimming with them. You really like squirrels as well. Have you ever touched or petted a squirrel? No. They've attacked you, though. I follow this Instagram ac- account called This Girl is a Squirrel, and it's this lady who rescued a squirrel and named it Jill, and she like dresses it up. Not in like an inhumane way, but... It sounds kind of inhumane. No, it's so cute. Everyone go look it up. At this girl's a squirrel on Instagram. She is a squirrel named Jill who lives just a really happy life. And she dresses up for her birthday every year. And it's just great. You can't look at it and not be happy. I have a question. When does she know her birthday? When her birthday is? It's probably just a rough guesstimation. Okay. I just was curious. I think she found her when she was like a baby, so probably only like a few weeks old. So Okay. Instagram. <laughs> I don't get it. So Matt, you're not on Instagram? It, correct. You don't like it? No. Give us your thoughts on why you don't like it. Um, I just try to do less social media in general. Um, I respect that. I think Instagram, well, no, I'm not going to comment about Instagram because I'm not on it. So I'm not familiar enough to make an educated well, comment on it. you an assumption. You know what they say about assuming, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm not going to, okay. I'm not going to assump on a podcast. Or an or, observation, a, a slightly less, an undereducated observation. It It feels like you're taking one of the bigger problems with Facebook is that People just post the pictures of the fun and good things that are going on in their life. And then that's just Instagram. So the expansion of that Mm -hmm. sort of feeds this idea that everybody's life is better than yours. Um, And I think it's a real thing. I mean, I see a lot of kids in clinic um, who have trouble with anxiety. Um, And I think a lot of it really legitimately is related to social media. And I am concerned that sites like instagram again where you're just kind of posting about the, only the good things uh, contribute to that, that sense of inferiority mm-hmm. that makes a lot we've talked about this a yeah. lot how mm-hmm. like it's a highlight reel of your life and mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense it's, it's part of the reason why one of my goals of 2019 is to spend less time doing dumb things aka instagram <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's tough because you don't want to like post the video after your kid throws up on you or something like, like, hey, look, my kid just threw up on me and my day sucks and everybody's sick and this isn't fun. But without doing those things, there's a very real perception that everybody's life is or very um, 
incorrect um, perception Mm -hmm. that everybody's life is all good because that's all you can see. Mm -hmm. I will say there are some people on Instagram that post everything that are like famed for posting those pictures of their kid throwing up on them, etc., which I think is very respectable. But yeah, by and large, it's not what people are posting. Or people have said the Instagram story feature makes it easier to share like what's happening in your life on a day-to-day so you can like you're not going to post a picture of your kid throwing up on you but you can like film yourself saying this is what my day is like and then but also then that just means you're always documenting everything that's happening in your life which I think should not be a thing right so yeah I just think in general um, we spend too much time documenting stuff on social media and not enough time talking about those things with the people in our lives and it Um, I don't think it's a healthy thing. No, I agree. So speaking of online things, (laughs) have you ever been on a dating app? Um, Never my own. Never made a dating app account for yourself? Correct. Why is that? Um, I don't know. Um, I I mean, I recognize that I'm going to sound like a million years old when I say this. In today's day and age, or in this day and age, whatever the phrase is, um, it's not like a a weird thing or an unusual thing. It's Mm -hmm. very common. But maybe I'm just a little too old-fashioned or something. I prefer to mm-hmm. die alone like I would have in the 70s before internet. That escalated really wow. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to be like, I prefer to meet someone in person. Yep. That would be nice, too. <laughs> but if you're alone at 70, you'll just die. Okay. I'm shooting for 80. <laughs> have you found it hard to date in Minneapolis? I don't think it's a function of where I live and maybe that's not the way that you're intending that to be taken um, but more so a function of my life and I mean like we were talking earlier about how much I work and um, I do work a lot and a little bit less so lately because just it's the nature of residency you work a little bit less as time goes on but I have spent a lot of time at the hospital and then the only people you meet are at the hospital Mm -hmm. um, and there's less time to do things outside of that setting um, with new people. So have you, would you ever date someone you met through work? I have. Okay. So yes. She was a nurse at the hospital. We went out for a little while and it didn't work out. And it was a very, um, I think, amicable split, I hope. And I mean, I still see her at work and we talk and they're friendly. So I, I think it went about as well as you could have hoped from that standpoint. But I'm not eager to do it again either. Yeah, it's a little risky yeah. when you have to see them. Yeah, yeah dating mm-hmm. the workplace in general, mm-hmm. regardless yeah. of your profession, I feel like is... You don't want to get a reputation either. Yeah. Has a patient ever hit on you? Yeah, um, multiple times in different ways. Um, the <laughs> The best story about this, I was working on labor and delivery and had a patient come into triage, which they can come into triage for many different reasons. But in this particular case, it was, am I in labor or am I not? Um, and she was in labor. And so I was over in her room working on doing her admission. And oh, this is an important bit of context. This uh, young woman who was about to have a baby uh, was African-American. And as I'm talking to her and like doing all the admission stuff that I need to do, her mom just kind of sitting in the corner, just like giving me the the up down, like trying to figure out who I am and what I'm all about. And um, I finished doing the admission. I'm like, okay, and you know, we'll get you over to your labor room and I'll see you guys when we get over there. And I'm about to leave the room and their mom just out of the middle of nowhere 
would you ever date a black girl? Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. I'm like, I just kind of looked point. at her, just kind of looked at her. And I was like, backed out of the room slowly. <laughs> you didn't respond? No. What was I supposed <laughs> yeah, to say? How are you supposed it's to like, answer it, that? It's like, <clears throat> look, ma'am, I'm sorry. Um, it, it's not. It's not that she's black. Um, it's that you know she's about to have a baby, um, and and it's not my baby. I mean, call me old fashioned, but I'm, it's not. It's not really my thing. <laughs> Can you date a patient if you wanted to? Don't. I think what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to like, like give them to a different doctor and have somebody else start taking over their care. Um, because there'd be just like a whole host of ethical boundaries that you'd be crossing there. I've never had that feeling before. (laughs) So, so they, in medical school, there's ethical classes, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Do they tell you like scenarios or give you advice on how to handle awkward situations like that? Or do you just kind of have to navigate it and use your experience? Yeah. You just have to navigate it. Um, and you allegedly get better at these things over time. And sometimes it's harder than others. For example, um, when somebody says, oh, do you have a girlfriend? Um, you should just all say yes. Um, or like, yeah, I'm married. I just don't wear my ring at work. You know, or just like make up something like that. Um, and I'm terrible at that. I'm, I always just answer because I get caught off guard by it. But you're, you're supposed to get better at them as time goes on. I'm, do you guys watch New Girl or did you watch New Girl? Yes. I'm just picturing you being like Nick, like moonwalking out of the room whenever he feels uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> he just like moonwalks away from the situation. That's what I pictured when you were like, <laughs> just walked out of the room. <laughs> what is the oldest or youngest you'd ever go with someone you date? Do you have rules set for that? Hmm. Uh, no, I guess I don't have any hard and fast rules. You're looking at me funny, Alyssa, like we've had this discussion before. We probably have. I feel like we have. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, um, I'm pretty sure you had an answer then. Yeah, well, I'm older and wiser now. So. Okay, then like five months ago. <laughs> um, definitely. I mean, okay, how old am I? I'm 28 now. The lower end would be, I mean, probably a few years younger than me. Definitely has to be out of college. I feel like once you're out of college, then it's much more of like a level playing field so to speak but probably even a couple or yeah a couple maybe a few years out of college would be the lower end i feel like those few years out of college make a big Mm. difference there's yeah you change Mm. so much yep and then on the upper end i'm probably like a few years older than me i mean probably i'd probably look at like three or four years in either direction okay interesting I ask this question because... So if you're 33 year olds and listening, um, sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I asked this question because uh, le- yesterday I was watching this show on Netflix called Age Gap Love or something like that. And it follow- It was a British show and it followed around a bunch of different couples that were had a significant age gap, like 30 or 35 years, sometimes even 40 years. And one of them was like both genders like older lady younger man and older man younger lady and for example there was a 78 year old woman married to a 39 year old man and their story was the guy had like never dated anyone kind of just gone through his life and then he was at church and he played the organ and he met this lady there who also played the organ who happened to be 78 and they fell in love and there was another one where it was like a 22 year old girl and like a 56 year old man 
And then another one, a 78 year old man and a 33 year old woman. And they had two kids together. So it was like this 78 year old man burping a baby on his shoulder. And uh, what do you guys think about this? No, hard pass. Yeah. Well, okay. So that just reminded me too. I've heard on like another podcast how they discuss like do over families where like the guy like was basically like a douchey dad and like sucked at his being a parent. So then he like gets a younger wife and does it all over and is like a great dad because he's retired and can spend all his time at home. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, I don't know. I guess if it works for them, but that is so not. Or one of the things that I found so weird about it is that for the 33 year old woman bringing home the 78 year old man to meet her parents they're younger than him and so their son-in-law is now like 15 years older than at least than their than his now parents-in-law and but a lot of the like they were interviewing these people and they're like well we don't like being criticized because older people deserve love too and like sure yeah everyone deserves love but i i still can't get behind it it's too weird yeah but to each their own i guess i i know a lot of people that are in like successful relationships and they're like 10 to 15 years apart yeah i think that's fine and that i still feel like they didn't meet until they were like at least a certain age like Mm -hmm. if you're like yep i feel like you're not even 25 and 40 is very different from 65 and 50 right right well and like night when you're 19 i feel like you don't even really know what you want if you like technically you're an adult but if you think you want to be with like a 60 year old man now that might change in like six years that's like, true yeah like when as we were just talking about pivotal years outside of college mm-hmm. like there was another couple that they followed and it was like a 68 year old woman and a 29 year old man i think maybe 26 29 or something and the woman had been married for 50 years and when her and her husband had died four years previous to when she started dating this guy and she was like yep my husband was on his deathbed he told me go get your boobs and go get yourself a boy toy and so it was like she went and got breast augmentation and then went on facebook and found a 29 year old man why can't I get a 29-year-old man and going on Facebook with this lady? I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> and now... Is that your upper limit, Melissa, 29? No, I no, I would say like 10 years probably, but ideally like six. <laughs> now she's happy. So it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I guess if it works. There was a whole series of episodes with like five couples per episode but i only watched two and i was like i can't do this anymore yeah to go cry in the shower for a while so the question we ask all of our listeners is if you had if you were the star of your own reality show what would it be called and why scrubs (laughs) Grey's anatomy those aren't reality shows the resident I hear that Mine one's pretty be. close to life. Mine would really? be. All, Matt's Anatomy. All one. Matt's Anatomy. <laughs> it's be on HBO. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not PG. We're not PG. No, we're not. Not far off. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty pretty tame here. Yeah. Is that re- your real answer? I just gave you like five, four. Okay, pick one. Um, Scrubs. That's your reality show? Yeah. Why? Because Scrubs is the most accurate 
medical TV show out there. So it'd be a really nice transition into a reality show. I feel like that's concerning. Isn't Scrubs just like a comedy about medical things? Yeah. There's no t- show on TV, to my knowledge, that captures the terror that you feel the first time there's a code blue and you're supposed to be going to to help run the code. And then JD and Elliot end up in the linen closet because they're both hiding from the code. That's the way it feels. <laughs> What's a code blue? Uh, when somebody, like cardiac arrest. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. So what would it be about? Just your life? Yeah. Just your day-to-day going to work? Right. That's why I wanted to call it the around. resident until you said I couldn't. You can call it the resident. I like the resident better because I'm a resident right now. I think that makes sense. It would just be real, more real than Yeah, the it would be resident. the actual resident. <laughs> yeah. Not hard to accomplish again. <laughs> the resident is a terrible show. Terribly inaccurate show. Sorry, Alyssa. I know you like it. But incredibly dramatic. Very and entertaining. entertaining. Very yes. entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> comedically on point all right great the resident slash scrubs <laughs> slash matt's anatomy <laughs> well thanks matt for coming on the floral couch uh listen i have enjoyed immensely having you here yes. it's my pleasure i look forward to coming back and doing like a dr oz segment yes except better because yes. dr oz is the worst worse than the resident He's we'll like call it matt's anatomy this, yes this section. yeah we'll <laughs> ask for sec- some listener questions on medical advice well, we hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. If you um, are interested in Matt, you can send your profile and picture to floralcouchconversations at gmail.com and we will be sure to pass it along. Well, first we'll vet them. Yeah, yes. and only if you're between the ages of 24 and 32. So Yes. yes. <laughs> we now know. <laughs> and you can't be currently pregnant. That's, that's a, yeah, that's, it's at least a point of concern for me. Such high standards. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah. I'm pretty picky. Anyway, anyway, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Floral Couch Conversations. If you like what you're here, make sure to go and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Floral Couch Conversations. Um, feel free to slide into our DMs or send us an email at floralcouchconversations at gmail.com or check out our website, uh, floralcouchconversations.com. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.